Welcome to the 7220 Sports Kickoff Show. Here are your hosts, Cody Tucker and Jared Newland. Welcome to the 7220sports.com kickoff show, sponsored in part by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, and Lovejoy's Bar and Grill. There, I love this town. I love this state. Um, this was my dream as a kid. And I didn't know what my last year was, and I'm so glad I came back to play six. Um, to open up like this, man, is, is very special for me. I'm excited to see what this season holds for us, but like Bert was saying, we're the wild boys. It means something to us. It's different. Um, so I take an immense a deal of pride in this win tonight, but this team, this state, that crowd, that was unbelievable. That was electric. Um, that was probably the most fun I've had at a home game, for sure. You think Frank Crum's excited, Jared Newland? Uh, that sounds like a pretty pumped-up guy after Wyoming knocks off Texas Tech 35-33 in double overtime in an electric War Memorial Stadium last Saturday night. Well, he came back for a reason. I mean, he's a super senior, sixth year in the program, Laramie native, Wyoming native. His dad and his uncle played for the Cowboys. He was definitely pumped up, and he, he wants to have a great season, not only for himself and the team, but I mean, he has future aspirations of playing on Sunday too. He's sure big enough to do it. Six foot eight, three hundred fifteen, and you know what? Uh, DJ Johnson, our great photographer at seventy two twenty Sports, he actually caught one of the pictures of the game, which was the very end. Sam Scott running in for that two point conversion. Those offensive linemen just paved the way. And doesn't it say a ton when you can walk into the end zone untouched in double overtime against a power five team? And Frank buried his guy. <laughs> he sure did, right out of the frame. So just an unbelievable effort by these Wyoming Cowboys. Jared Newland, as always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. We're also joined today by Mike Skinner, Pine Bluffs native. You grew up next to the Talichs. And I mentioned that uh, Mitch Donahue might be on the show today. He unfortunately couldn't make it. And you said, well, then your two guests will have a combined two defensive MVP awards uh, between them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I knew you knew what you were talking about when I heard that. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, guys. This is uh, an awesome studio you have, and it's really just exciting to have the Pokes back on the gridiron and getting the season underway. And winning. And winning. 14-point yeah. dog. They, uh, You know, we talked about it a lot. We weren't going to fall out of our chair if the Cowboys won this game. I did not fall out of my chair. Um, it was hairy. Going down 17 to nothing. Spotting a team like that 17 points is a scary proposition. I mean, it was following the Missouri script to almost a T. I mean, from the rainbow. Yeah, for it, the rainbow, <laughs> the rain. I mean, the clouds, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. then you you drop or you go down 14 nothing or 17 nothing, whichever game you're talking about. And then a key turnover turned the tide. It did. It just, I mean, the fans were back into it. You could see the shoulders drop of the Texas Tech players. And it was a, it was actually, a pretty good pass. Yeah. It's just that Rook Brown read, read it the entire way and jumped it. Yeah. And it was perfect. So here's a question I have for both of you guys. It, it's easy to say that's a turning point, and Craig Bull would agree with you. He said that, you know, Rook Brown's pick really got us going. I say, for argument's sake, that John Hoyland's 56-yard career-long field goal was the turning point in this game because think about it, fellas. What if he misses that kick? You're demoralized. You're All-American just missed a kick, and Texas Tech is set up in really good spot. Yeah. And we saw what they do with a short field. Yeah, What a lifesaver that guy is to have. I mean, a resource you can always go to and depend on, yeah. the red shoe. Uh, what what a 
gift that was to breathe some life into the pokes and, yeah. and the fans there in the stadium because early at that point in time there was nothing going. No. And even though it's not as good as a touchdown or a pick six, you're at least getting some momentum as little as it may be, and then you just build on top of that. And before you know it, you got a tie ball game. I would say he misses that kick. Rook Brown's probably not picking off a pass on that next drive. They're probably going to go right down the field and they're going to score. And yeah, then, but, you, then that's when Bull said, we're getting away from our DNA immediately. We were one or two possessions away from getting rid of our DNA and throwing everything out the window and becoming a team we're not. Well, and when you read the comments from Texas Tech coaches, offensive coaches, that is, the head coach and the OC, they said they just got out of rhythm. Yeah. And they took full blame for it. They said, Wyoming's defense got us out of rhythm, but we didn't call the game that we wanted to. And that and, defense, it was glad to see them show up, you know, after going down 17 nothing, And then you see some some signs of life from that defense who we've, you know, talked about so much of mm-hmm. being, you know, the focal point, the strong point of this team, to see them show up and just derail the Texas Tech offense. That was awesome to see. Well, and you see those highlights that the Cowboy football um, accounts put out. Of course, they're only going to show a lot of the positive stuff, especially what's being said on the sideline. But there was a part in there that DQ James says, this game's not over yet. And yeah. that's when it was 17 nothing. Yeah. He goes, this game's not over yet. A lot of football left to be played. A lot of guys like Frank Crum and Chase Uino were here for that Missouri game. And that's what they all said they, they kind of harkened back to was, we've been here before. And we've been here in front of a crowd like this before. And we know what, what can turn. And you don't want to be in that situation. <laughs> so try not to be the rest of the season, folks. But it's not a good place to be. But you do have in the back of your mind, we've done it once. We can do it again. Yeah. So if it does happen later on in the year, just hopefully it's not 17 nothing halfway through the first quarter. It makes it yeah. super dramatic, but to that point, again, yeah, you've you've been there, done that. And so who who's to say three, four years from now, the freshmen this year are going to have some opponent, they're going to be down 17 nothing, 20 nothing, and be like, you know what, guys, no sweat. We've been, been here, here before. Let's do this again. Texas Tech's quarterback Tyler Shuck said that it was nothing the Cowboys were doing that uh, – that threw their offense out of rhythm. Uh, Wyoming's defense would like a word. Uh, and Jay Savell was masterful in this. At first, we even said it in the press box. We're like, they're only rushing three on this guy. He's going to sit back there all day long and pick him apart. And then he just started mixing and matching. And next thing you know, here comes the here comes the pressure. And when that guy was getting pressure in his face, he was throwing a lot of balls in the dirt. Uh, something that I thought was uh, a nice change was – what do so many defenses do to Wyoming? They make them one-dimensional. The one dimension they're not great at, trying to throw the ball to come back in games. Wyoming made Texas Tech one-dimensional. And it is their strength to throw the ball over the yard, but when you have no running game whatsoever, 2.8 yards per carry. For a team that prides itself on being the toughest team in the country, Wyoming's defensive front and linebacking crew shut them down. And how about the tackling, Jared? key compared to a year ago yes. at this time. Yeah. I mean, Shea Suyanoa is the top of the board on that yep. because he missed so many tackles last year, and he knows it, and he had that chip on his shoulder coming in the season knowing that he had to be a better tackler. He led the team in tackles. No doubt. I think it just took them a little bit to shake off the cobwebs um, and adapt to what Texas Tech was providing them or showing them. And the and short field didn't help with the turnovers the Cowboys field, were providing. Two quick turnovers on offense really put the defense in a tight spot. But once I think they adapted, adjusted, and uh, got a better uh, feel for the game is when you really saw them turn it up a notch. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but does the do you think the delay helped or hurt either side? You know. Because you never know what's—I mean, what would have happened if if there wasn't lightning and maybe just rain, 
It's easy to say that it hurt Wyoming, right? <laughs> I mean, because yeah. of the two fumbles. That was also a concern I think you and I talked about, Jared, is Jamari Farrell. What a great story coming out of coming out of nowhere, basically, to become running back number one. But we also talked about he hasn't been hit by dudes like this in his whole life. And it was a whole new monster. And he did not have a great debut. I'm sure he's going to learn from that. DQ as well. You saw how big. I mean, those guys were getting thumped every time they touched the ball. They finally brought in Sam Scott, who's 6'2", 230. He looked more natural, I guess you could say, against a huge defense like that. It was almost like there was happy feet back there, especially in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. They they didn't know where they were going to go. The holes weren't there like they were in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it was just a lot of nerves, I'm sure, for those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine a lot of, you know, feelings and uh, just amped up there at the very beginning, especially for that junior college transfer who who knows what his home game day atmosphere was like <laughs> and going from, you know, two, 3,000 fans to 26,000 screaming fans at 72,000 like, or 7,200 feet. It, it's got to be night and day difference. It's like there. playing at Pine Bluff. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet there were more people at Pine Bluffs yeah. than Saddleback Junior College. Maybe, but <laughs> these days probably yeah. sure. Back when I played, probably not. <laughs> Let's hear what uh, Craig Bowl had to say on his defensive coordinator, Jay Savell, and the effort those guys put out on that side of the ball. I think a mixture of um, Jay's timing and tempo, I call him doctor of defense. Um, I'm sure you guys notice you're all learned football coaches or football uh, guys that we were in a three-man front dropping eight. Hadn't done that before. And so, um, you know, I thought it was a stroke of genius on his part. He began to watch tape over the summer. And uh, I had some apprehension of it. Uh, but then we worked through some things, and I thought Jay come up with a good plan, and then the guys executed, and that really helped. I think it may have thrown them off a little bit simply because uh, we were able to get lined up, get our feet underneath us. There was maybe one or two times that we didn't have somebody set the whole time, and that allowed us to be balanced to be able to stay in that tempo. And then the quarterback had to hold the ball a little bit. Bull loves calling him the doctor of defense, and he can call him whatever he wants as long as he does that. Uh, what was funny, Jared, is we've talked about this defense, like you alluded to, Mike, we've talked about this defense over and over again. I started getting mocked on social media after this went up 17-0. I thought this defense was supposed to be awesome. Salty. Yeah, last time I listened to you, <laughs> this defense is what we thought they were going to be, and I think they're going to be even better. They played a quarter plus without Colby Taylor on on the back end as well. So they got... 91 passing yards on those first two drives Texas Tech did. Other than that, shut down. Almost didn't score for three consecutive quarters. That first touchdown, too, the receiver had to double catch that. Yeah. Went off his chest, and he had to catch the carom. And what a beautiful— that could have been an incomplete pass. That was such a beautiful throw, though. When you saw that and you saw the precision of Texas Tech right away, you went, oh, man. They're for real. Yeah, Yeah. this might get really scary. You could just see that touchdown throw and midair. You're like, yep, that's six points right there. It looked effortless, and and he thought, oh, no, what's about to happen? Then followed by two fumbles, (laughs) and it really started to feel weird. But, of course, we know things turn for the better. (laughs) I still think Texas Tech's going to have a hell of a year. I do, too. I, I think they are I hope they good. Do. Yeah, I asked. I asked uh, Tim Polisek, Wyoming's offensive coordinator, Monday, would you be surprised at all if they beat Oregon? And he was like, "Well, off the record, and I have no problem sharing this." Yeah, no, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And they're walking into Lubbock. Uh, that's a good team. That's a really good team. I don't think they're going to fold the tent the way Missouri did uh, in 2019, where they go and lose at Vanderbilt. I don't see that with this Texas Tech team at all. They they got out of rhythm, but I thought they also played into the Cowboys' hands. They 
they got away from the run. I know it wasn't working well, but they got away from the run and they pride themselves on being so fast that they were their three and outs were like 25 seconds. And what do you not want to do for a team trying to play catch up? Give them the ball right back. And that's what they kept doing, giving it right back. And then, you know, obviously they had their field goal kicking woes, which really helped the Cowboys as well. But they did not, like, manage the game, in my opinion. They went with who they are, which we've seen Bull do that a hundred times. But they went with who they were, and they were not deviating from their system at all. And I thought it played right into Wyoming's hands. And who knows what would have happened if they would have maybe stuck to their run game and getting the guy outside a little bit, trying to get the guy outside a little bit. Or some support, bubbles. Or some, some yep, bubbles, something. dump passes, whatever it may be. But they kept going over the middle or trying to go, you know, 15-yard outs or ins, and it just didn't work for them. Yeah. And I really do hope Texas Tech goes on to have a great year because then you look back two months from now and you're going to say, oh, yeah, remember Wyoming knocked off Texas Tech, who's gone on to win X number of games in a row. Yeah. Just makes Wyoming look that much better. People joked about this, Jared. We talked about it on our last show that this will be the best offense, arguably, Wyoming sees, but we argued that this might be the best defense Texas Tech sees. Teams in the Big 12 aren't physical like the Cowboys, and the Cowboys were physical all over the field. They were, and and the coaches and the players even commented on that yeah. from Texas Tech. So that's a, and they're fans, too. If you go to some of the Texas Tech um, you know, articles and stuff like that and read the comments, yeah. A lot of people did give Wyoming credit for being, you know, hard-nosed, blue-collar, and they said, guys, they're kind of like us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Before the game, Joey McGuire said, we strive to be like Wyoming, a team that can run the football between the tackles and can punch you in the mouth. I, the one fault on Joey McGuire, I mean, talking about the altitude, coming in a day early, feeding them all this beet juice, just come up and play the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times these coaches are going to have to, these younger coaches are going to have to go through this to realize, quit playing mental games with your own team. Yeah, no doubt. And I have maybe I'm out of the blue. What is beet juice going to do to help? <laughs> I, maybe I'm. That was a uh, Mike Leach thing. Under that a rock. Just, oh, okay. It's the sodium and the vinegar that's oh, in gotcha. the. It fits in the juice. I guess they should change their game plan. It's going to work. <laughs> that was a goofy Mike Leach thing a hundred years ago, and uh, there's no proof if it ever works, right? I mean, none. Uh, Joey McGuire did say he didn't think his team tired out. Um, Visual would maybe say otherwise, especially when Sam Scott's walking into the end zone untouched on a two-point conversion. Uh, Also, his 16-yard touchdown run on what I thought was such a critical drive to open the second half. Untouched. Untouched. Again, and Frank Crum put his dude on skates and pushed him right out of the frame again. I mean, it was a truly impressive effort all around. That offensive line was starting to... Richard freshmen that have never – Luke Sandy and Wes King were were kind of filling in for each other. Those guys have never played before. Caleb Barnett played a lot last year, but that's his first start at right tackle. I mean, it's basically Tulafono and Crum are the anchors of that offensive line, and Jack Walsh, uh, you know, he played a little last year as well. But that's a young, unproven offensive line. They had some penalties, you know, some false starts. and But no holdings. No holdings, yes, yeah. which is key because that's even yeah. – you know, that's a 10-yarder versus a 5-yarder, but – um, they did put themselves behind the eight ball a couple of times, and I'm sure that they worked on that all week long, and especially and then going into a game like today against Portland State, they're going to try to you know come out penalty free if possible. Yeah, yeah, you really had no idea what to expect. You had you know a pretty young ish offensive line with a, a few staples there, and uh, with Frank Crum leading the way, but then uh, no really solidified running backs. You're like, what's what's going to happen here? And yeah. thankfully, Sam Scott I think proved to be 
kind of the lead back, at least for that Texas Tech game. And the line held up their end of the bargain. And as you pointed out, Cody, just wide open gaps for Sam to just run through. That was pretty cool sign to see uh, first game of the year. Couldn't have started off worse, fellas. Fumble from Jamari Farrell. Uh, those false starts you're talking about, Jared, happened on first down, putting you behind the sticks immediately. Uh, then DQ James fumbles. Texas Tech's turning that into immediate points. It's 17 to nothing right off the bat. Let's hear what head coach Craig Bull had to say about that start. I think the maturity showed because we did not start fast. <clears throat> Every checkpoint that I did talk about in the pregame meal of things that we we're going to need to do, I was like, did these guys even listen? Um, and so, uh, you know, there was certainly an amount of frustration, but the players worked through those mistakes, and then good things started to happen. Uh, obviously, I think, uh, from what I understand, they were a ranked football team, uh, and they deserve to be ranked. So I think we beat a, a good football team tonight, and so we're certainly excited. So That was funny. He said it right after, did they even listen to one thing I said during the pregame meal? I mean, they did everything the polar opposite of what I asked them to do. Uh, But once again, Bull talking about that maturity of this team, and I think it's shown through in something as simple as we can say, yeah, those guys remembered Missouri. That's part of that maturity we're talking about. And Bowles always said he'll know what kind of a team he has in that first game <laughs> midway through the first quarter. Yeah. Well, maybe it was the second quarter this game. <laughs> Boy, but, was he wrong? Uh, but also, coaches have always said the biggest improvements a team makes is between the first and second game. So let's see if the Cowboys can come out today and be penalty-free, be error-free, turnover-free, and be that much more solid than they even were on last Saturday. Right. And credit to the team, the staff, uh, coaching staff, for just not – uh, you know, turning it in after getting down 17 nothing, They fought back. Um, and and so looking forward to today, let's hope that they can actually turn on the afterburners and, and pull away and, and not just necessarily, quote-unquote, play down to the competition. Well, even Craig said, I think it was your question, Cody, you know, what would have happened? Or he said to you, Cody, if they went and scored one more time, we didn't get that interception, we would have changed our whole game plan. The whole thing would have been shot. Because and that's the beauty of Joey McGuire and Texas Tech, but playing right into the Cowboys' hands, they didn't have to change a thing. Seven straight possessions, they go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody you, does that to Texas. No, Tech. Uh-uh. Nobody, and I it bet, doesn't matter where. Yeah, everybody, pay attention. I know it's at Texas Tech today, all this kind of stuff, but pay attention to what they do differently today that they probably learned from against Wyoming last Saturday. So you guys, like a lot of our listeners here, were in the crowd. I want to I want to get to Andrew Peasley in the second uh, the second part of the show after the break and really talk about him and his afternoon. But you guys were in the crowd. Um, it was electric even before the lightning delay. Here comes the entire Wyoming student section. They're chanting cuss words like they were in the old days. I mean, it felt like the old days to me, like gritty into it, uh, yelling, screaming. They had everybody's attention right off the bat. Then it fills up, and it was it, it it was the loudest I've heard it from the press box. Everything was louder. I thought Joshua Hunter, the new play-by-play or the new uh, PA announcer, I thought yeah. he was great. I thought, like you mentioned earlier, the music was great. Everything seemed old school, seemed right, but in a great way. Yeah, it had right. Hats off to the staff. I thought they did a really good job. A lot of comments I saw is that like the cleanliness of the concourses, the restrooms, the concessions, all that kind of stuff. Food lines were less. They, um, I know there were some areas that did run out of food, but I guess that happens. <laughs> it shouldn't happen the first game, but it does. Um, obviously, the beer lines were fine. Uh, I had plenty of those, believe <laughs> Sounded me. Sounded like yeah, it. Um, confirm. But 
I do, I do agree that the PA system was louder. Mm-hmm. I was on the northeast corner of the stadium. I could hear the PA loud and clear. I've sat a lot of different places during games. There's times I can't hear the muffled sound of that PA system. So they cranked that up. The music selection I thought was great yeah. compared to what it's been in the past. Yeah. And um, obviously the overall atmosphere of winning in 26,000 people. But from now on, don't rush the field. <laughs> I mean, Wyoming, we need to understand that um, Wyoming is going to win games. You don't need to rush the field and celebrate every single time they do it. Hopefully this will be the norm. Exactly. But right. they don't need to rush the field. Yeah. I know Craig Bowl looked like he was scared to death, and uh, he was doing some yelling after that one. He uh, he wanted to get over and shake hands with Joey McGuire, and and uh, the students made that almost impossible. One of the things you really worry about in a, a lengthy delay like we had on uh, this past Saturday is just losing that energy that everyone's there, they're excited, they're ready for kickoff, and then all of a sudden, wait, we have to wait what another another hour for no. this? Like we're we're amped up. Well, uh, but that never faltered. I was luckily Cody. I didn't know what was going on in the stadium. Um, I was out in the tailgate, you know, and Cody sent me a text. Says, By the way, there's lightning in the area. I haven't got a final answer on everything. So I told everybody, I said, no need to tear down yet, guys. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, one of the athletics department personnel was walking around too. And I said, hey, could you text when you go in there and give us an update? Because the clock's still running. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it didn't reset yet. And he goes, yeah. And five minutes later, he texted me and said, yeah, we're in, we're going to be in delay. And, expected to kick off as this and i was like perfect i told everybody we got another hour guys yep, yeah another six pack <laughs> that, yeah, exactly I mean, <laughs> well that, for you <laughs> that that was one of the confusing points there at the beginning of that we saw the clock in the stadium tick down to you know triple zeros and then 40 40 minutes just got popped up on there and nothing happened there was no really uh, pa announcement uh and like jared i found out through your update on on 7220 well, of what's going on what's happening and uh, so maybe, hopefully, we never have a rain delay again. But just just tell the folks who are there what's going on, so we can at least, well. at least go get another beer or something, or <laughs> go to the bathroom. But you know, it all worked out in the end. There must have been mixed signals though on what the whole delay was going to be, though, exactly to the extent, because they they normally know as soon as there's lightning within five miles, it's a reset of thirty minutes. Well, That's a rule. There. Then when the clock started again, they kind of turned a blind eye to a huge strike off to the south, <laughs> off to the southeast <laughs> side of the state. Maybe it was five point one miles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We all went. Oh, hope nobody saw that. CBS one. caught that on air actually when they when when I watched replay the play by play and Aaron Taylor they saw that and they oh and there's lightning. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Mike, you brought up a good point, and I think we were probably all at this game. And I'm going to stick to my guns till the day I die that Wyoming would have. It, least gave Alex Smith and Utah complete hell that night when the lights didn't come on at War Memorial when you were working at the time and the what the TV thing blew the yeah the, that whatever. was the first time they had two trucks there with a generator or the HD truck yeah and it blew the generator that no cr- kidding that crowd was jacked that night until we had to sit there in the freezing cold for what hour plus oh yeah I mean I thought really this is the time they're finally going to knock Utah off and. Mother didn't Nature happen. had other plans. Yep, it didn't. This is the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented in part by Wyo Lotto. When the pokes win, you win too. Learn more at wyolotto.com. This episode of the 7220sports.com kickoff show is also sponsored in part by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, and Lovejoy's Bar and Grill. We'll see you on the other side of the break. We'll talk about Andrew Peasley and a little bit on Portland State, today's opponent. 
Welcome back to the 7220sports.com, presented in part by Papa Murphy's Pizza, where you can get 50% off your online order by entering promo code 7220sports on game days. Only available in Laramie and Cheyenne. He, he was hurt. I mean, you know, I'm in hope. I mean, he, he's going to need to get in the training room tonight. Took some hard shots, some body blows. We pulled him out one time uh, simply because he was, I, I go, how are you feeling? Because everything hurts. Everything hurts. And I said, well, quarterback runs. He goes, I can keep running. You know, you know I think it had an impact on on some of the things. You know, he worked through it, and obviously the touchdown he made was another good uh, execution, a read by him, and a good call by Tim. And I can't say enough about Andrew. And- Fellas, Andrew Peasley's numbers aren't going to jump out to you. Uh, nothing crazy. 18 of 34, 149 yards. That's something we've kind of grown accustomed to around here. He did lead the uh, rushing attack, which is something we have not grown accustomed to. 15 carries for 68 yards and a huge touchdown in that first overtime. Uh, however, he did throw two touchdowns down passes, and most importantly, zero picks. Just an incredible, gutsy effort from a guy who is playing in his last season opener, his last season. He sure acted like it. And he stood in the pocket. He stood tall. He got the crap beat out of him. He only he was only sacked technically twice, but he was outside the pocket so much in this one. He just took an absolute pounding. 305-pound defensive tackle lands right on his left shoulder on the last play from scrimmage and regulation. I, I was on the sideline at the time, and I told a guy, uh, I hope Evan Sabota's ready to go because there's no way Peasley's coming back for this overtime period. And guess who's out there for the coin toss? Yeah, and I, I really thought the shot that he took on the Texas Tech sideline was going to end the game for him. The one early. Because he got ear Yes, he did. And they didn't call that one for targeting, and it wasn't even reviewed. Nope. That one should have been because he launched at him and hit him in the head with the crown of the helmet, whereas the one they called in the middle of the field actually got hit by a forearm, and yeah. it wasn't targeting, but it was a personal foul. Sure, yeah. It's just crazy to me that his his numbers are never going to be eye-popping. They're never going to be, you know, 350 yards passing, four touchdowns, more more likely than not. Yeah. But the guy, you know, for not being able to do that will make up for it in the way he conducts himself, the way he leads his team, um, and the way guys just will galvanize around him because he's always getting up after those nasty hits and – not everybody can do that, you know. Some guys are just going to lay down on the ground and say, you know, what, put the backup in. But this guy, he he's going to be a leader by example type, and he's going to find a way to win. And that's, I think, a really a big Wyoming way of doing things. And that's why you hope in a game like today that, you know, he plays well in the first half. Wyoming has a big enough lead, and we've said this numerous times against these FCS opponents. And it never Get happens. Get other guys <laughs> playing time. Yeah. Get, get the – Starters out of there, let them rest for the next game because going to Texas is not going to be an easy feat next week, folks. And um, hopefully that's the case today that he plays well. And then and plus we we need to see if Evan Savota really is the the number two guy. Yeah. And let's see that rocket arm that everybody's been talking about that we haven't been able to witness mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. Is is the word game manager a cuss word like it's become in the NFL? Because I think Andrew Peasley for the most part is a really good game manager who can make a couple of extra plays. And now you're seeing he can do it with his feet but when when people hear game manager i think you automatically think crap quarterback i I think some people maybe closer to the team see that as maybe a a slight but i i really don't you don't always necessarily need a quarterback who's all-star of your team doing it all to do it all to make sure you go to a bowl game or go win a championship sometimes that's exactly what a team needs and i think in the case of wyoming this is what they need they they don't need that guy thrown again for 350 yards this is a guy who fits the system well fits 
that's what Craig Bull wants. And he's really, I think, adapted and become accustomed to the Wyoming Cowboys way of doing things. And I highly doubt that we're ever going to see a Andrew Peasley go like 21 of 26 in a game. It's a lot to do with the routes that the that they put the wide receivers in, the play calls. Because some of those are difficult passes that he's mm-hmm. trying to thread the needle in. And he doesn't have the rocket arm to thread that needle sometimes. And, you know, you look at a Boise State quarterback sometimes where, oh, my gosh, he, he was 80%. Yeah, but there are a bunch of those are dump passes yes. and swing passes. Tim Paulus, I could be the first to tell you that. And it irritates you when they talk about how effective a Bo- Boise State quarterback is. Well, a lot of times those are just little dump passes that, yeah, Cody, you and I could even throw those sometimes. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, and even Peyton Manning in his last year have Super Bowl rings to show for being game managers and relying on their defense to get the job done and their running games to get the job done. And uh, I don't think uh, those guys are crying about being labeled a game manager whatsoever. Uh, another thing that you just mentioned, the you know the passing offense, All what have we heard for the last five years, Jared, that they never go to the tight end. When are they going to start utilizing the tight end? Well, they utilize the tight end. Now I'm hearing, oh, they only completed four passes to wide receivers. Does it blink and matter? I think the best pass of the day, besides the winning touchdown, of course, um, was the one the shovel pass to Asante when he was scrambling oh, yeah. and just threw it right out of the defender's arm. And then Asante just like, Shot out of cannon. Oh my God! I can't wait to see that guy in open field. Open field, and we'll we'll save what you and I talked about about (laughs) possibly against Texas. Yeah, yeah, for next week. Yeah. Yeah, one can only hope that those new receivers are going to get accustomed to the offense and become that vertical threat that uh, we really don't necessarily have right now. We've got two great tight ends who are going to be across the middle, across the field, just snagging balls left and right, but. One of those new receivers might be that that guy to pose a vertical threat here soon. One guy we didn't mention was the guy from Campbell County, Caleb Driscoll. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Love it. Uh, Using the fullback in the passing game. Yep. He gave me the greatest quote, too. On Monday, he was just like, he did the total Ricky Bobby. Like, I didn't know what to do with my hands. Uh, uh, He's like, I just jumped around like a schoolgirl, he told me. And uh, he's like, they say act like you've been there before, and I've never been there before. So uh, I didn't know how to act. So it was really cool to – he's kind of a quiet kid, so it was really cool to hear him open up a little bit about the funny – you know, the funny aspect of him scoring there. He literally had no idea how to celebrate, but – 26,000 people figured it out and celebrated. Well, you know what, Caleb? You did a hell of a job. (laughs) Not bad. I asked Craig Craig Bull, said everybody in Campbell County would be having a beer tonight after that one, and I asked him how many beers he's going to have, and he said there's a Mountain West official in here right now, so I can't can't discuss that. Uh, Frank Crum, of course, uh, such a mature guy, uh, likely has an NFL career ahead of him. I asked him about the performance of his quarterback, he had unbelievable things to say about Peasley, but he also kept it in perspective. I am extremely proud to call that man my quarterback, um, but it's also a testament. I mean, this was an unproven old line tonight, and I think they really stepped up, and you could see some uh, glimpses of light for some of these young old linemen. I mean, we just beat Texas Tech um, with two starting true redshirt freshmen. But, I mean, having to say your quarterback is so tough and he's willing to keep getting up, that's – that's on us to protect them. Um, so I take ownership in that room for sure. Uh, we're going to take a great deal of pride in cleaning up our protection and uh, not making him have to be so tough for us so he can just go out there and ball uh, like healthy peas does, you know. So um, 
you know, I respect the heck out of him for being tough, but let's take some hits off him. Frank is excited that his quarterback's tough. He loves that his quarterback's tough. He just, Michael, doesn't want him to have to be that tough. And he really put it on the offensive line that one of their tasks is to keep him clean. And you know what? He's going to be their harshest critic. Craig Bull thought the offensive line played great. I think we are all in agreement that they did play great. And if you're an offensive lineman, that is your job. Your job is to protect the quarterback. And if that doesn't take place, you often end up taking that personal. And he's he's exactly right. You know, it's great to have a tough quarterback, but it's also your position to prevent that from occurring to where he has got a clean pocket to pass, clean pocket to run if needed. So I really, if you're an offensive lineman, which I was shockingly back in the day, <laughs> you take that personally. If someone beats you, if your quarterback gets hit, you take that personally. And I know Frank Crum does as well. So it was kind of funny, something none of us mentioned about uh, this debut of Memorial Stadium and the crowd and all that. That turf looked beautiful, didn't it? It just it looked great, and the reason I bring it up is because Andrew Peasley was so beat up. Even he managed somehow to have grass stains on his pants, <laughs> which were really rubber pellets. <laughs> well, and I think some of it, too, is the paint for the Mountain West logo Yeah, that normally is actually part of the turf. Yes. But the Mountain West logo is actually painted now because it's the 25th anniversary, and I think there's something going on with the rebrand. The rebrand. Mm. Yeah. But he actually looked like he just got done playing on a grass field and just got the tar beat out of him, and he had scratch marks all over his arm, and he just he kind of leaned on the podium with one arm and was just like, go ahead, guys. He was exhausted. <laughs> Fire away. Yeah. I, he surely is the one to call if you need a Yelp review on the field installation this year. So, um, But, no, you're, you're right, Jared. That field looked great. It's something that you don't really think about when you go to a football game. Oh, the, the artificial turf looks great. But it, it caught my eye as well, just yeah. seeing the different turf, how different shade of green this year. And, again, at nighttime, it, uh, as the sun's setting, it was really popping. And I know we see a lot of comments on there. Well, why isn't the booking horse bigger? Well, it can't be, folks. Yeah. There is a rule about the, the logo has to be within the hashes. Yeah. And this you see basketball. that everywhere across the country. It cannot be outside the hashes. Well, let's hear from the man himself, Oregon native Andrew Peasley, on staying in the fight. I asked him point blank, was there any chance in hell you were coming out of this one? Uh, Yeah, not a chance, but... I was hurting. Um, Coach Bull asked me how I was at halftime, and I just said my body hurt. He said, can you run? And I said, yeah, yeah, I got you. And I did. Um, I think the offense just had, and defense, the whole team just had something click in the second half. It was kind of just we got in our zone. Obviously, we started out a little slow, um, two turnovers on offense, and then, you know, I got lucky with a pick. You know, we got a, a defensive penalty, so I think we need to clean that up. I think that's really important. That was our main goal is to have clean football, and when you come out and give a team like that, what was it, 17-0? Yeah. That's dangerous, but then again, you know, our main goal is always to fight, and, and we did tonight, and so it was, it was good to see our team and just O-line. It was every, everyone was clicking in that second half, so it was fun. Zero chance. Zero chance he was coming out of this one, and I got to tell you guys, I was seeing the tweets during the game, and people were going, man, he is hurt. His knees hurt. He's shaking his head every two seconds. He has to have a concussion. How come they haven't taken his helmet? Well, uh, apparently he doesn't have a concussion or they would have pulled him out of this game. He just he took about as much of a beating as you can take and stay in a college football game. Yeah, and there were those times when he got up limping like you saw him last year at Hawaii or even the San Jose State game. You're like, oh, no, not again. Mm-hmm. And the one time they did take him out to make sure they did some testing, Savota, you know, he 
ran managed the game, <laughs> you yeah. know, when he was supposed to. And I actually ran into Sabota's dad out in the uh, parking lot before the game. They were tailgating right next to us. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Is there a package or two for him?" He goes, "Yes." Yeah. So and we probably didn't see it. Probably not the full package <laughs> yeah. for sure, but I mean, because he was forced into action. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you know, make no no mistake, fellas. Uh, Andrew Peasley's beloved in this locker room. Um, he gets so much crap from the outside. He does. And I know his debut last year against Illinois was just, it was scary bad, but it it wasn't all on him. But boy, did he take the brunt of it. He still does. People really don't believe in this kid. And you know what? I wrote it in my column this week. You can hammer this kid for all kinds of stuff, his limitations, his arm strength, some of his decision-making, but the heart, the grit, all that stuff. And boy, was that on display. We're going to hear from Tim Polisek here in a second, offensive coordinator, but the way he stood in the pocket on that crucial fourth down and goal, or fourth and seven or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and just a guy, house blitz, guy coming completely clean. If that guy tackles Peasley higher, that ball's probably popped in the air and game over. He stood in there, took it. He joked that he didn't even get to see the play that he threw, the throw, the laser to John Michael Gillenborgs because he was on his back, and he just looked at Wyoming sideline and saw him celebrate and heard the crowd, and that's how he knew that he connected on that. But what that showed right there, that was just a microcosm of his entire night was that one play. Just watching that play unfold, you thought, there's absolutely no way this goes well for Wyoming. <laughs> this this is going to be – Peasley gets hit. It's a ball in the dirt. And then to see him just stick it out and gut it out, knowing he is about to get hit so hard and just find the guy who was wide open in the middle of the end zone, I mean, it speaks to just his thought process and, and knowing this is going to hurt, but it's going to be worth it. Well, and for Gillenborg to make the right read on where to go on the hot route, hot too. Route, yep. Because he went to where the defenders came from, which he's mm-hmm. supposed to do. But sometimes a younger guy like that, then, and he, it's not like he and Peasley played together for five years. Yeah. Right. No. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he made the right read. It's and a smart move. Great coaching. I talked to Shannon Moore, the tight end coach from Wyoming, uh, at Media Day. And we talked about John Michael Gillenborg. They love what he brings to the table, his speed, all that. But he said, there were times I was talking about in football leagues where John Michael Gillenborg is like glazing over. He only played three high school football games. This guy was a baseball star and a basketball star in the Kansas City area. They just saw his intangibles and thought, man, this guy'd make a hell of a tight end. Craig Bowl offers him, like we've heard that story so many times yeah. before. Uh, that kid probably didn't even know what a hot route was <laughs> three weeks ago. And now here he is making the play of his life, the play of the day, and one play we're going to be talking about for the rest of our lives. It's not like a hot route from old school. No. Or um, <laughs> not old school, the uh, hot route. Oh, hot route. Uh, um, uh, wedding crash. Wedding wedding there you yeah, go. Sorry. Sorry, folks. Like it. <laughs> it was one of those shows. Yeah. Hot route. Hot route. Checked out. Uh, Wyoming offense coordinator Tim Paulusek, I asked him, what are you most proud of when the dust settled? Because I think we all saw that great video of him celebrating up in the booth. Love that camera view, by the way, CBS. That was beautiful. Getting to really see another side of these guys. Tim Polisek is an emotional guy. He got emotional here talking about Andrew Peasley. This was his most proud moment of the game. Just the grit, you know. Andrew and our relationship is good, and you guys see it, and you can probably feel it from both sides. But the thing you, that's missing is his coachability and, and how hard I am on him. You know, like somewhere in there, okay, you take Illinois and you're one for 13 on third down, and everybody's writing about that. Well, you know, how many times did we push, you know, a scramble through, or or did a guy catch the ball short and get the first down, or 
you know, compared to drops. Sure. And so I've asked him to be extremely gritty on third down. You know, almost probably to a fault. But we had two conversions on scrambles. Mm-hmm. That that's all I watched for four months leading into this game. I'm like, well, nobody's throwing the ball very well with great accuracy, but these quarterbacks are making some plays with their feet. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was really, really happy with Andrew's grit, and I would include grit on that last two point play. I mean, it was a combo call, but he made the check, and he had to believe in the guys up front. He had to believe in what I've been preaching to make that call, sure. rather than just the whatever other play we had called with it. So those things were it's pretty impressive. Keep hearing that word grit. They love Andrew Peasley's grit, and it, it, it was grit across the board. Uh, you mentioned it, Shea Suinoa, grit. A guy missed 22 tackles last year. Another guy who's a whipping boy. There he goes, leads the team in tackles. I mean, just the offensive line, unproven, uh, running backs uh, down to their fifth, sixth guys. Jeremy Hollingsworth got a couple of carries in this game. I mean, <laughs> it was grit across the board. So, really special effort. Let's put a bow on Texas Tech, 35-33, double overtime. Unbelievable win. Like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about that one. Like we've been talking about Missouri since 2019. We're going to be talking about that one for a long, long time. Portland State. Aren't you glad, even though Texas Tech and Wyoming are swapping opponents, aren't you glad Texas Tech is getting Oregon and Wyoming is getting Portland State? 81-7. to the Vikings fall in Eugene last Saturday, and it was every bit as ugly as that score would indicate. And they scored on nine touchdowns, touchdowns. on nine straight possessions. 12 of 13. And it was 7-7 seven, seven at one point. 8-7. <laughs> or 8-7, excuse yeah, me. They yeah. went for two. But <laughs> Yeah, Oregon just went for two just in yeah. case. You never know. <laughs> Safety, yeah. I, the first time I saw that score on my phone, I thought, that's a typo. That, yeah. there's no Nobody scores an 80-burger in football, rarely. But you know, early on in the year, you get some of these – Really bizarre, odd matchups, and it, it kind of happens. And I, I really feel bad for the Oregon Duck mascot. I think it was like <laughs> 584 push-ups they had to do after each score the Oregon Ducks had. He's the only guy who's more sore than Andrew Peasley yeah, on Sunday. Exactly. Cody does that many every morning. Every oh, morning. That's how I'm so you. fit. <laughs> brought to you by Coors. Yeah, yeah this body's brought the to you by The 12-ounce girls, yeah. <laughs> uh, Portland State gave up 729 yards of total offense. We knew this was going to be a complete mismatch, but this is unbelievable. It wasn't like Oregon was trying to run up the score and they were trying to be you know, jerks about this thing. They just were that much better. Uh, when the dust settled on that one, we found out that Portland State played 22 freshmen, seven of which were playing high school football the year before. Now they're lining up at Autzen Stadium. Uh, that couldn't have felt great. Also, one of their players lost an ear, uh, got hit so hard his helmet came off, and he suffered a detached ear, Bruce Barnum called it. Uh, along with a concussion. Along with yeah. a concussion, yeah. That'll that'll tend to happen when your helmet and ear come off. Uh, just, a, just a brutal day. And, you know, we knew what we were going to hear from Craig Bull on Monday. Of course, he wasn't going to go, man, these guys are terrible. We're going to truck them. I mean, this is going to be ugly. He might as well not even show up. He found all the good stuff Portland State did. There's not a lot, but you look at their second offensive drive, Jared, we talked about. They did move 75 yards down the field with ease, really, in a lot of ways. They were running all over Oregon. A couple of nice little pass plays. This Dante Chassere, he is a formidable dude. He threw for 2,000 yards last year. He counted for 26 touchdowns. He led the team with uh, 600 rushing yards. This kid can play, but Oregon, kind of like Texas Tech, that you you think finesse when you think of those two teams, and very, very fast. And a lot of depth. A lot of depth, yes. Uh, But Chassere, he's 5 of 14 for 35 yards and a touchdown. Mike, you brought up a good point. That sounds a lot like Andrew Peasley's line 
at, at Illinois last year. And then what happened the following week? Mountain West you know, Offensive it, Player of the Week. Yeah, and I don't want that to happen, obviously, in this case, but it just goes to show you what a difference one week to the next can make. And, yeah. and really looking at this quarterback, he, he looks like a dual threat. He looks like someone who can definitely use his legs to uh, spark the offense, which is something Peasley can also do for UW. Uh, and, and as Bull has said, he's looking forward uh, to Portland State saying all the right things because no matter the opponent, you never want to give anybody bulletin board material because you never know what's going to happen. No. Um, you know, you just look to last year where Wyoming hosted North Northern Colorado and they were only up 6-0 at halftime and you thought this could turn ugly or for the worse in a heartbeat. You, you never know exactly what's going to happen and you don't want to make things worse by giving somebody uh, any more motivation than they already have. And that's going to be the talking point all week and it has been is Wyoming has not taken care of business against FCS programs. And that's what they have to take care of business against these teams and don't let them hang around into the fourth quarter because bad things happen. Yeah. And Wyoming has to come out with a big start today and just put this game a no doubter at least midway through the second quarter. And then you have the opportunity to see some backups. And most importantly, we need to see Savota throw the ball. I love the balance. I love the play calling by Tim Polisek in the opener. Imagine that against a lesser opponent and and executing. Um, You mentioned the throw in the dirt over to DQ James in the flat. That can't happen today. Um, But imagine Asante probably doesn't get caught (laughs) against Portland State. He probably doesn't get caught. He's probably gone. So that's what you got to see. You know, Wyoming has lost one game in the bowl era to to an FCS team. That was an, a humbling experience in the opener against North Dakota in 2015. His first game ever against Montana. That's a one-score game. Idaho, after beating Missouri. Idaho comes in. It takes Trey Smith a 75-yard touchdown run to beat the Vandals at home. Uh, Montana State was a last-second touchdown throw from Chambers to Welch. We can't be talking about that next week. We cannot. It's got to be just the no-doubter. Put it to bed quick. Oddly enough, we don't talk about our picks for the week. We both picked the Cowboys to win 44-6. That's what it needs to look like. It does. It just one time in the bowl era, put an FCS team away and make fans feel better about the whole team yeah. and about the whole situation going into obviously a very tough opponent next week on the road in Austin. Yeah, it would be just wonderful to go into halftime today and, and seeing a lopsided score. Well, let's run down these uh, games real quick, Jared. Um, I haven't pulled up here for the Mountain West. Do you haven't pulled them up? Yeah, I do. Uh, UNLV at Michigan. Uh, most likely going to be a bloodbath in the big house. Uh, Cal Poly at South San Jose State, and maybe the Spartans can get on the uh, winning track here. Uh, UCF and Boise State. Can't wait for that. Um, go Knights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Idaho at Nevada. Maybe Nevada can show something, but I, I actually picked Idaho in this game, I believe. Um, UCLA, San Diego State. Maybe there will be a sellout at Snapdragon Stadium tonight. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Air Force. At Sam Houston State, actually, it's in NRG Stadium in Houston. Uh, But watch out. Sam Houston State can throw the ball. They are a fast-paced throw-the-ball team. So Uh, Tennessee Tech at New Mexico, Idaho State at Utah State, Eastern Washington at Fresno State, and the mighty University of Albany at Hawaii. Imagine that flight. (laughs) Boom. What is that, seven time zones? Damn near as far as you can go from one (laughs) point A to point B. 5,000 miles. And then here's the one question I want to ask before we get off the air here and uh, get on to the pregame show for the Wyoming Cowboys. 
who are taking on the Portland State Vikings today, 2 p.m. kickoff. It is on the Mountain West Network, streaming only. Fellas, thanks for joining us. Mike Skinner, appreciate you, man. Uh, Jared, as always, uh, enjoy the game today. Uh, this has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show, sponsored in part by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Y.O. Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, and Lovejoy's Bar and Grill. Thank you for joining us. For Jared Newland and Mike Skinner, I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next, right here on KOWB.